Welcome to the show, everybody. Not allowed to say that. Actually. Welcome. That's Welcome. the only job I have in this thing, other than texting you guys what movie we're watching. <laughs> Repeated. Welcome to the show, everybody. I watched Welcome. The Mask featuring Jim Carrey in a mask. <laughs> 28 <laughs> masks <Four> later. <laughs> he puts the oh, mask sorry. on. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's all out the oh. window. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. What's up? The Honorable Sam Lazarus. Hello. And Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Hey. And today we are talking about 28 Days Later. Mm-hmm. Danny Boyle, 2003, Godspeed, You Black Emperor soundtrack. Fuck Oh, Really? Up. Um, it was notably the first time that they had ever licensed their music to a film, which they had claimed previously they would never do. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a Sigur Row track in there? Or am I making there's it? a yeah. Brian. There's also a Brian Eno song. Yeah, there's, there's a, a Brian Eno of- song in every movie. <laughs> Have you guys heard the new Bob Dylan song that's now like you know four weeks old? Because I heard about it. Well. No, I haven't. It's heard. about the JFK. It's about assassinations. It is a 16-minute long, like, spoken word. I swear to God, what it sounds like is, like, if you had a homeless person doing karaoke over the soundtrack to the Civil War. It's like... He's like, JFK got blood on his feet. They were living in a nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking deranged. Yeah, it's not like that anymore, though. <laughs> it's more gra- gra- gravelly. Yeah, you're right. It's more corpse. I'd say, Kim Jong Un is he really dead? <laughs> no, but it's in my head. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, I strongly recommend. This is like my pre-endorsement endorsement. I strongly recommend checking this song out. It's both wonderful and fucking god awful simultaneously. <laughs> Like a few things in this life walk this perfect line, and he has managed to do it yet again. I don't know, man. It's been doing it for 30 years at least. Like, it's been a long time since he's made a particularly good album. Yeah. Desire, I think, was like the last worthwhile record of his. I mean, I guess some of those late. Uh, like late '90s, early aughts records, "Out of Time" is good. "Love and Theft" is good, and then "Modern That's Time." True. And yeah. I guess "Tempest" is okay. And then... <laughs> I haven't heard "Tempest." Or... The travel I is, I yeah. I don't think "Tempest" is that good. Okay, so then maybe "Modern Times" is the last good one. I honestly, I guess I yeah. Remember. I guess he said some good okay. stuff. Yeah, I mean, you give him a wide latitude. If it doesn't involve Hulk Hogan singing to a Make-A-Wish Foundation child, I really just can't be bothered to consider it music at all. Hmm. It's amazing how similar that is to my opinion. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. (laughs) Welcome, Welcome, Hulkamaniacs. (laughs) Welcome, Hulkamaniac. Brother, welcome to whatever seat you're sitting in because it's in your house and you're not going anywhere. In year zero, week seven of Trump's America KKK. 
Oh God! I'll dub in some gun noises over that. Don't worry, <laughs> glorious. Uh, I'm your host Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman, so the Honorable Sam Lazarus. Hello again, <laughs> and Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Hi again. And today we're talking about 28 days later. We're, we're living in like 48 days later at this wait, wait, point. Wait, wait, wait. I watched 28 Days. Yeah, Danny Boyle, 2003. I thought the soundtrack was amazing. <laughs> yeah. the soundtrack was I, I didn't even realize it's Godspeed, yeah. Also, the cinematography is weirdly awesome. Like, dirty and weird. What's up with the way it's filmed? Why is it so grainy? Like, Yeah, I was wondering about that. I don't I mean, it looks very early 2000s. Did they just not have good digital cameras back then? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that this movie was made with the Dogma 95, where I think it was Danny Boyle messing around with that idea. And like for listeners of the show who were probably like born in 1995, there was a movement in the mid to late 90s of filmmakers and early aughts um, trying to follow these rules where they made handheld digital cameras only. I think all music had to be in the actual scenes and this movie doesn't strictly adhere to this but i think it was influenced by that style that was happening at the time um there's a lot of not real not good stuff that came out of that yeah there's a lot of what are some other movies that were doing that notably like lars von trier made a bunch of them Uh, everything he's ever made Mm -hmm. is garbage except dancer in the dark which also is part of that stylistic movement yeah um julian monkey boy yeah, Julian Donkey Boy. There was a movie Jesus called Christ. The King is Alive about a troop of actors who are stranded in a plane reenacting King Lear over and over again until they murder each other. I didn't watch it. Sounds really good. I want to say that maybe, who's that other fucking horrible guy who's like now a white nationalist nightmare, um, but was in a band with Jean-Michel Basquiat in the 80s? Oh, Varg uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Vincent <laughs> Vincent Gallo. Um, I think uh, he made uh, made a Dogma ninety five movie, and oh, and um, Bamboozled. I think was also adjacent to that, the Spike Lee movie. Oh, came out around the same time as this, I think. Yeah, well, they were all part of like you know, it was a lot of famous filmmakers kind of trying a new stylistic idea. Anyway, I don't want it to go, want it to go unremarked since the fir- this is the first time Brian Eno's come up on this show. Yeah, Brian Eno, in addition to being like one of the titans of music of popular music of the 20th century and greatest record it, producers of all time. Yeah, influential beyond any conceivable amount of influence for, and for that not being well known and just like leaving his mark on like it's like any possible place you could imagine uh popular music uh you know since he since he started working was also like a real masturbation aficionado what yeah what? brian eno uh really loved masturbating and talked about this a lot there's a, i think playboy interview with him where he talks about it at length and it's it's interesting because in the milieu he was in like there's a lot of stuff rock stars were you know fucking and sucking and doing whatever but brian eno really loved to masturbate and was <laughs> what a fucking yeah, king he had all sorts of uh, he had all sorts of preferences and predilections regarding his masturbation habits. And apparently his pornography collection, which is funny because this is so antiquated now, but he had a collection of pornography that was considered one of the largest, like, no. <laughs> so, I mean, fucking Brian Eno. Yeah. If, if there's like, if God's walked the earth, Brian Eno was one of them. 
Holy shit. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. He's cool. Yeah, I, didn't know. I, I need to look into that now. That's amazing. I got to ask because my buddy Larry interviewed him for his magazine. <laughs> I thought you said my buddy Larry really likes to jerk off. <laughs> he probably does. I'll ask him. But I got to ask him because he, he flew to London and went to Brian Eno's house. So I got to ask him. And part of the interview. Careful where you step. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Eno, I legitimately, because I remember when I read the interview, Brian Eno was like, I don't keep computers or televisions or books in my house. It, in- it interferes with my thoughts when I'm having my thought processes. He was like, his house was like a, just an aesthetic, like, or an aesthetic monk's cell. And it's like, no, probably it was like a jerk off tomb. <laughs> like, he just. <laughs> put everything like a, behind. It's like a hidden door or something. Like you, like you know, like you pre- press like a marble wall and it shifts and slides away. And it's nice. all just like ripped up, torn up, swank. And- <laughs> Copies of Blacktail. Yeah, Latin inches. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Initial thoughts on this movie? I was shocked that I liked it way more than when I originally saw it. This is the first time oh, that really? we've watched a movie since quarantine started that I've actually been relieved when the movie ended that I wasn't living in that world. It was like, oh, mm. finally, reality is slightly less bad than this hellscape. Yeah, a little bit less. Yeah. Slightly, yeah. yeah. No, no flesh-eating zombies. But... Yeah, I, mean, was... I mean, you should be in my neighborhood. It's getting close. <laughs> well, you should stop passing out bath salts to everyone. <laughs> I've been hoarding hey. them. <laughs> <laughs> now is the time to turn the tide of East Village. You know? It's like oh, enough condos have gone up. We're, we're we're reclaiming this. Oh yeah, I keep thinking about like squatting in a super upscale condos. Are you guys down for that with me? No, they just pulled a dead body out of the one next to my apartment building like two days ago. Apartment. Oh shit! What did you tell me. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, some warehousing going on of all these, you know, fancy condos that have gone on the market that, you know, no one's no one's living in. I'm just saying with the real estate. I know. So, Alan, you, you didn't dig it as much, this movie? What? <laughs> um, I did. No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> the taste of human flesh. I, I, I haven't haven't partaken. Really? Long pig. In the blessed yeah, sacrament of mania, they don't eat. They don't eat people in this. They don't eat anything. They just get yeah, that's good. They, they, they bite people. people. Yeah, they're they not. Bite. They're not trying to accomplish anything. Yeah, they're just trying to rage murder everybody. Yeah, I was into it. I thought this was good. I was surprised that it held up. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it, I thought it looked cool. I thought it sounded cool. I thought it was interesting. It wasn't nearly as uh, unnerving as when I, I remember seeing it like in the theaters and I was like, that's that's a pretty scary premise and movie. Um, and I think there's actually some reasons for that um, that we can get into when we do the plot breakdown, but uh, why that has like particular resonance in 2003 that it maybe doesn't now, like ability to unnerve and frighten. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good, you know? Was I the only one who was thinking like when it, when you realize that the main way of people ingesting, uh, the main way of people becoming zombies is ingesting blood through their mouth? Right. Am I the only one who thought like why aren't they wearing face masks? Oh, like everybody should be wearing face masks. I thought the same thing. When the girl's dad saves them on the saves them on the stairs, right? He's got the 
shield. Yeah, he has a mask, right? I also noticed he's got like thick cloth everywhere and like dense, you know. So, right. so he, he doesn't get bitten. He can't yeah. get it. Yeah. 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 I don't understand why everyone isn't just like saran wrapping their heads. And- well, also, there are multiple times when like somebody bashes somebody else's face in and like there would be blood particles all over the air and they would most definitely get in your eyes. And that was like, I mean, again, not to pick apart plot holes or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. It's like for someone who's afraid of getting blood into their mouth or eyes, that girl's weapon of choice should not be a machete. Right. She's got what? Unless she's wearing goggles. Yeah. Unless she's got adequate PPE. Yes. I mean, even the guy who was wearing the mask later gets infected because he's not wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. Like, why is he wearing the mask in the beginning, but then just not wearing it the rest of the movie? Yeah, basically what every the time hell movie? you're Seriously. out of the house, Shit you should you. be wearing a mask. What are you, in a fucking anti-whatever protest? Like- but, I, but I feel like this is a... This is a- Re- reopen the British economy. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> liberate. The zombies. What but I wonder if this is a thought. job it is to eat people. <laughs> Let them eat me for money. Take my money. <laughs> uh, I just wonder if this is like a thought that we have because yeah. we're in the middle of this, right? Because we live in the fucking dark lands. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember thinking about that the first time I watched this. Like, why isn't he wearing goggles? The whole movie, like, all that conflict could have been avoided if he was just wearing damn goggles. Right. Or if well, it's fucking the CDC told everyone else. PETA didn't exist in the first place. Can we just start with that? <laughs> that, like, the entire plague nightmare situation happens because a bunch of, like, PETA anarcho shitheads liberate a lab full of monkeys that are infected with, like, murder virus. And they're like, you have no right to hold these prisoners here against their will. And they're, they're like... I know you're meant you're meant to hate them, but, like, it's pretty fucked up what they were doing to monkeys. But it's actually cool that it's implied in, in the, uh, the little prologue there that um, these scientists is trying to cure violence or something like that by... In, he said something like I didn't notice this before and he said something like uh, in order to study something in order to cure something you must first understand it and they're like that's stupid and they let yeah. the monkey out and then you know everybody sucks they and the world it. ends and chimps are pretty you know rough rough anyway you don't want to let a chimp out of a cage you know without a plan you know like the chimp Maybe is not going to be happy Without a plan to get it sexy into bed. <laughs> Chimps are very warlike and fucked up. Yeah, but they are very cute in wearing suits. <laughs> and diapers. And diapers. No, I had, away from it. I had two thoughts about that. The, my would first thought would was this like, have been one, a better movie if the chimp in the cage had been wearing a suit? Or like a hockey <laughs> character? <or something? laughs> I just honestly expected one of the people in the group of PETA activists to be Morrissey. (laughs) Panic on the streets of London. I feel like there's a few different movies where the the bad guys are like animal liberation guys, right? Like they are the inciting factor in like a horrible event. Yeah, 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. It's such a 90s thing, I think. It's what ideology, about, baby. What about like Planet of the Apes 2, maybe? Yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah the reboot. Right. Oh, reboot, yeah. 
Yeah. So oh, is, that, is that what that's about? I didn't see those. They're good, actually. Check them out. Oh, for listeners who memes. <laughs> so for listeners who haven't seen this movie, uh, basically the premise is that a virus that makes people hyper violent escapes from a lab because of these PETA schmucks letting people out, and it ravages Britain. And this one guy, played by Killian Murphy, wakes up 28 days into the pandemic because he's been in a locked corridor of a hospital in a coma that he luckily happened to come out of. And so we're sort of experiencing this world through him and his journey and trials and travails. Did you guys... Why is his beard so short? Just doesn't grow. Because he's a beta. Yeah, he's (laughs) he's a real cuck. That's very offensive because British people, English people have severe genetic abnormalities. All in bread. There's a real problem there. Beards is just scratching the surface. He just looks so fucking like peak 2003 cool when he wakes up there. We're like, I know that they did this because he had a head injury before he went into the coma, but like half of his head had been shaved and then it like grew out. So he has this like faux hawk shag thing with like a buzz cut on the side i thought he looked so cool in this and he's wearing like yeah, he looks like uh he looks like a guitarist for the libertines remember that <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah that's a good joke yeah he's very heroin chic he dj'd our show in bologna one of the guitarists from the libertines not the cool one that's my favorite Wait, there's a cool one the one who like you know has a kid with kate moss and is like a junkie Oh, Pete Doherty? Yeah, Pete Doherty. That sounds pretty cool. Mm. I saw something weird about him. Like, he's, like, tied to a... He's, like, suspected of a murder. Yeah, I mean, that's... I Maybe he might be tied to a killing, like, some other junkie. I think I saw something about that as well. I don't think he did it, but some other guy. It's, like, sort of like the Rockets, Red Glare, Sid Vicious... Nancy Sponge and murder. Well, okay. So first of all, did you guys notice like a real Damien Hurst vibe when they're inside the lab initially? Because I was like, this is a British movie. Obviously, he's like, you know, the the most famous British artist I think of the last fifty years, other than Banksy. Because the the monkeys are inside like clear acrylic or something. Yeah, all the monkeys are in clear acrylic. There's just like a few. They different, weren't chopped like, sort of, up though. I thought that there was some splayed stuff in some. Oh, there was, yeah. There were dissected monkeys, yeah. So basically, early into the movie, Killian Murphy is mostly alone and like wanders into an abandoned church where he's attacked by like a cadre of zombies and figures out very quickly, like, hey, the world's fucked up. And then he gets rescued by two survivors who he takes to his parents' house. And um, do you think it's coincidental that this is like exactly the same way that Walking Dead starts? That's a good question because I don't know when the Walking Dead comic started running. And I don't know. I had in my notes that this was sort of part of a, a genre of like post-apocalyptic urban decay movies in the in the time. Not just movies, but books and comics like The Walking Dead, The Road. But it's like really on the nose for The Walking Dead. Like it's literally just the first issue of The Walking Dead is the first seven minutes of this movie. And they share, they share DNA, don't they? I mean, I've seen a few episodes of the walking dead they share some dna that's like it's zombieism that's caused by zombieism by virus right yeah and that's different that's a departure that's its own like niche in the zombie universe well yeah that's well i mean it's never really explained in the ones where they don't talk about a virus so you could 
sort of theorize that it's also a virus, right? Yeah, and like pre-George Romero, like the actual place that zombies come from is like, I don't know. I, magic? Well, it's more than that. It's like a poison, right? Like I, I watched this documentary on this years ago, and I'll try and find it and put a link in the show notes, where these dudes actually made zombie powder. And it's it's crazy. And they it's like it's art like blowfish toxin. It was these dudes in Haiti and it was like heavy duty toxic chemicals that you could get out of nature and the documentarians. And again, I don't know how real this was. They they like shot it or injected it into a rat and the rat basically became like a brain dead living shell. Weird. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. So the the zombie in like Santeria and, you know, voodoo and so on is super different from the zombie idea that Romero and this movie and Walking Dead and all um, put forward. It's like just the opposite, basically. Like a zombie in Santeria is like a a servant, like a, you know, like like the golem, you know. Yeah, Um, but... It's also a punishment that you meet out to someone. Like, yeah, but I mean, it's somebody, not like mindlessly seeking to eat human flesh, right? It's right. doing the beating of its master. It's really the opposite of what Romero's has, you know, created or whatever. Right. But it is like half dead, right? Like yeah, it's absolutely in. half dead. I mean, the idea was that it, I think that it was a punishment if somebody wronged you. And the the law was not capable of sort of righting this wrong. You would go to your local witch doctor, and they would make you zombie powder, and you would make the person who had wronged you into a zombie, and they would serve you to pay off whatever blood debt that they had accrued. Holy crap! Or something. Yeah, that's like sort of classical zombie mythology. Uh, Walking Dead actually postdates this movie by a year. The comic book came out in two thousand three, and this movie is two thousand two. So oh. if anybody's ripping off anybody, it's walking dead is ripping off this that makes a lot of sense and i mean the walking dead now that i think about it takes so much from this where it's like you know we're we'll get into it with the military base and and sort of where everything goes but yeah did you guys notice when he like is first waking up and he goes to like i'm just gonna call it piccadilly circus i have no idea if that's where it is it seems like it's a major juncture in london and there's a kiosk that's papered with notes to people mm. and, like missing person th- stuff that's that's did you know you guys notice that yeah i did notice that i had in my notes that it was like heavily reminiscent of 9-11 yeah that's i think it's absolutely a callback yeah. or whatever it's a reference to 9-11 although did it bother anybody else that a lot of those notices were way too high for anybody to reach yes that's a good good point sam thanks and not only did it not bother me i i preferred it that way because <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I prefer to live in a universe where I believe that Mr. Fantastic exists and that his job is putting up missing posters all day long in high places. I mean, it makes sense, right? You want to you get yours at a higher vantage point so That's more right. people can see it and no one can, pace, no yeah. one can tag over it. And in the end times, everybody's got a ladder. That's right. That's what I'm going to be carrying around. That's yeah. what I'm carrying around today when I go to the grocery store. It's the most useful thing you can have. So... Basically, Killian Murphy gets picked up pretty early on by some survivors. It's a guy and a woman, and he takes them to his parents' house where his parents have committed suicide, and that's a pretty brutal and upsetting scene, including his naked corpse mom, which is just like, yo, can you not show naked. She's not naked. She's very, like, skimpily clad. I don't know. Am am I a perv for 
yes. for remembering that. I was just sort of like, can we not? Do we need this shot? No, I, I remember thinking it was a little gross. Yeah. Her first sort of like creeping out of the side of the underwear. Um, and in the course of this, their uh, Killian Murphy and the woman, their partner, this other guy gets bitten by a zombie and the woman murders him within five seconds. He's just like, yeah. no, don't do it. And she's like, boom. So the that we know. Time. Yeah. To show us how badass she is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she is very With badass. a machete. Yeah. She, her weapon of choice is a machete. Uh, Which- Killian Murphy has a baseball bat and the other guy is nothing basically the two of them wander around london with a plan of i guess getting north of the city do they even have a fucking plan doesn't seem like it it seems like they're just like going day-to-day surviving just walking well, that, around. That, yeah that isn't that's only like one minute right like they start walking and then they immediately see those lights right I think that's yeah, the next they see a signal from it's Domhnall gleason's father and i can never remember his name is it donald gleason or michael gleason he plays Donald Mad Eye. Yeah, there we go. Jackie Gleason. Donald <laughs> <laughs> uh, Glover and Jackie Gleason's son. <laughs> anyway, they they meet up with him and his daughter in this abandoned like tower block apartment, or in England as they call the estates, which like an estate. I fucking love England has like the best way of making the shittiest, most horrible stuff sound like whimsical and fancy where they're like oh i'm going down to chapworth gardens and it's like a sewage dump <laughs> you know what they call littering i just learned what i tipping or they call homeless people rough sleepers really that person has a hard time sleeping that's why they were thrown out of their house like get yeah. the fuck out of here no they're sleeping rough like it's rough the way they're sleeping. You're stupid. Yeah, exactly. Nice. I mean, <laughs> whatever. To all of our British listeners, you guys rule, but your society has fucking brain damage. <laughs> yeah. This pre- this movie predicted Brexit somehow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't thought this through, but it did somehow. <laughs> I think we could. Yeah, we could string something together. Yeah. Prime Minister Bojo Horseman. Anyway. So uh-huh. they meet up with whatever his name, Gleason, and Gleason's daughter, and the four of them are in this abandoned council estate, and they get a message from some military base to the north that's like, if you receive this message, come to us. Humanity is surviving and thriving. And so they're like, oh, let's go do that shit. The answer to the virus or something. The answer. Yeah, the, the answer to the infection. Yeah. Mm. yeah, the answer to the virus is guns. Yeah, so they drive out of the city in the process the older gleason gets murdered so it's just killian murphy and these two ladies and they make it to this military base which yeah one of whom is like 14 yeah 14 15 she's young so they actually yeah. say that explicitly i was thinking younger than that oh she oh, really? might have been i don't know um she's definitely too young did you guys get the solaris reference on their drive up to the military base when they sort of like stop and watch the horses run through the field. That reminded, that was like a very Tarkovsky. I don't know. I don't know if it's a reference to Solaris. Yeah. I just, there's a, there's a a horse in every Tarkovsky movie. Fair enough. Also, and Blade Runner as well. He says, do you think the horses are infected? He goes, I think they're doing just fine. (laughs) I want to see an infected horse. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been fucking crazy. Punching another horse to death. Yeah, an infected chimp, an infected human. It's basically the same thing. 
Right. <laughs> we see that all the time. An infected horse is really quite novel. So the military base is like. <laughs> By the way, that scene where the, the horses is the is the Brian Eno song. I, I don't think there's another one. And, and and I really like that song. It's called "An Ascent," I think. Huh. It's got it's got something in parentheses. So it's either like the ending parentheses ascent or an end an ascent parentheses ending. An ascent anyway. parentheses music to masturbate to. <laughs> music I made while masturbating. Music I'm chuffed to have a wank to. <laughs> Cup of tea. Yes, a wank. <laughs> anyway, I thought they used the song really well. And then the the next scene when they're going towards Manchester, there's also this awesome classical piece that plays yeah that the music in this movie is beautiful and whoever did the music supervision did a really excellent job which uh, i don't know i've been ingesting a lot of other culture with like really fucking awful music cues lately i don't want to dime anyone out but i was like who is music supervising these shows get your shit together um and this movie was like a very welcome break in that way also it's short and to the point i guess it's two hours this movie but i'll cut all that cool um yeah so as they as they journey north whatever his name gleason fucking eats it they make it to the military base where again the walking dead uses this as well the military guys are a bunch of fucking psychos who have like a veneer of hi we're totally normal restarting civilization and all that and then it's like in the middle of this uh beautiful old country house they have like a one zombie chained up so that they can like quote study it and it turns out that the whole sort of military installation is just a ruse to kind of get women to come there so that they can forcibly have sex with them. I actually um, think to- having the chained up infected is like the single sensible and not immoral thing that happens once they get to the base. Like, yeah, you need to know how long these things are going to survive for. And that guy's already gone. So you, I you definitely, Right. need to know how long they survive but like do you want to keep it where it can get to you and kill the shit out of you and your friends well, yeah that was the thing yeah it wasn't much, so much feeling bad or this not feeling like it was like it was immoral i was mostly just feeling like okay when is this going to come back when, <laughs> yeah. when are they all right you got in the first act i, yeah. I guess you're right. the, the check off zombie <laughs> I, say, I didn't realize how much of the plot turned on one of the army guys, you know, the one who, the, the, the cook being <clears throat> a totally incompetent doofus and the fact that like his doofus doofusery allows uh, Killian Murphy to escape when they're going to execute him. Um, he does a couple other things that like basically his stupid, his stupidity, his haplessness allows the main characters to survive. So he's like a pretty major character. This, this, idiotic what's that thing he's wearing like uh got like a stupid ass hat yeah this frilly this frilly bib wearing jackass army dude basically ensures the survival of the three protagonists that and killian murphy's character spontaneously becoming the most badass character in all yeah which is pretty we should talk we should talk about that because that was pretty pretty strange that reminded me he just completely shifts yeah so much yeah killian murphy is like this pussy ass wiener who just got out of being in a coma and then he 
Like, yeah. they take him out to execute him because their plan is basically we're going to kill this guy and then these two women he is with are going to be our sex slaves. And they take him out to murder him and he basically manages to distract them. And no, then, no, that's not what happens. And then he that's... hides in a pile of corpses till they look the other way and climbs over a fence and escapes with no shirt on and becomes like this feral monster. No, right? Yeah, I, I think what right. that, like the shirt on the barbed wire, I think was a, a misdirect. Like he throws his shirt up on the barbed wire and then runs oh, really? away. That was, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. Doing oh it. no, that makes perfect sense. You're a genius, Sam. So he like suddenly becomes Rambo and super yeah. less and smart because he doesn't have a shirt on and it's raining. Yeah. It's, which I mean, yeah. not me, but you know, <laughs> And you can like see his breath. I love that. Mm. Just I mean, it's good. But yeah, he manages to take out eight soldiers through running and a sheer wit. Yeah, yeah running and wit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running and letting loose the zombie prisoner that they have chained up in a place that they're not paying attention. Fucking idiots. Yeah. And also somehow magically he knows all the secret passages in the old house. Like how when oh, really happens? Yeah. Oh he, yeah. Like, disappears into a corner. <laughs> like every like, Englishman oh, knows in their blood all the <laughs> yeah. ins and outs of these country estates. Sam, yeah, <laughs> that's your time. cultural incompetence showing. It's true. I they have enough experience with this. Taught stairwell. me when I was at Eton. I majored in secret stairwells. <laughs> I majored in pantries. Did they even say majored? They probably say like something else. I dallied in. <laughs> so then he makes it back to the house and and basically arranges this assault where the military brigade crumble from the inside start infecting each other and it goes fucking nuts and that's just an interesting thing because it's like the whole movie because the whole movie takes place after um you know this mass infection has happened right where it must have been hell on earth but you don't actually see it until the end. The end of the movie is where you get to see how like this spreads and how people get infected and then start attacking other people. So it's sort of like this. Yeah, it's like you finally, you finally get to see this thing, right? That has been alluded to the whole the whole movie. Yeah, it's like 30 minutes of build up and anticipation. And then it just like rains down for 20 minutes of just like <laughs> pure right. sick mayhem of Killian Murphy with no shirt and people eating each other. But I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I thought like the fact that he just started acting insane was, it's like this weird comment about how the state of society, the situation that we're in, maybe it didn't quite matter whether someone was like really a zombie or not. Like everyone's just gone insane has become complete. Just attack people and kill them. And like, watch them die and because like right at the end after he's like attacked all the soldiers like the girl's about to kill him with a machete right yeah because she thinks that he's infected even though he's not that right. pissed me off just say a word using yeah. it <laughs> yeah it didn't 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 quite make oh i made don't chop me <laughs> <laughs> i like your boobs <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah i don't know i mean that the ending had such a haunted house vibe that I loved so much where like the, I think that they only used not much like studio lighting. I think it was, it was mostly natural light that they used or lights from like the car headlights. And so I thought that 
really made it super spooky. There was a lot of camera work from low shooting up high. There were just so so much. I don't know. Did you guys that when everything collapses, I thought the movie really soared in a way that I wasn't expecting to like it. And almost, I would say that a common idea with really high concept stuff that we watch for the show is that the premise is incredibly interesting and exploring the premise is really interesting. And then the movies tend to exhaust that at about the halfway point. And by the time you get to the the sort of climax, I'm bored out of my fucking mind. And this yeah. somehow managed to do the opposite of that, where I was well, like... It kept some things in its pocket, right? Like the existence of a world outside of the UK that was yeah. not sick. Um, yeah. And it was a red herring to say that when she said, like, news reports said it was in Paris and New York. Then you see that plane. Killian uh, yeah. Murphy looks up and sees the plane. I think that actually, to go back to what I was saying earlier, that's supposed to be like the uh, impetus for him to act all feral. It didn't really make any sense to me, but though, but uh, you know, just to say, like that's, you know, it, that was interesting that they kept that in, in their pocket for, for a while. Yeah, and the realization that life actually could go on after this, and that in order for right. you to get through this, you have to be a savage, and you have to <laughs> you have to fight your way through this monstrosity to get to the other side of it. Um, but also, it's sort of implied that the way that people are going to get through this is through social distancing, right? Yeah. Like they go to this farm in the middle of nowhere and then you see the zombies in the middle of like the desert or whatever who are dying, right? Because they're starving to death, right? A little more than six. Because it's they can't strategy. Yes. Because they can't get to, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. It's not ever explained what they eat. Like, can, do they just eat normal food? I think, I think like, that they yeah. eat each other. I think they eat flesh eventually. Yeah. So they are eating flesh. They just never really show it in the movie. Yeah, they're they're not. I no, mean, they do. It's just not they eat flesh. I think they just they just go and go until they die, right? Maybe. Yeah, they might just do that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's never fully explored whether they eat flesh or not. What kind of zombies <laughs> they are, other than like if they don't eat flesh, like fear. What's their favorite cuisine? <laughs> yeah, right. Chicken tikka masala. <laughs> do you do you guys want to go pint. out Thai food? Chicken vindaloo and a pint. <laughs> it was only problem in England because the only food they eat is fish and chips. Legally, oh. legally, yes. <laughs> the, the king decrees it. <laughs> There's a black market for food that has other flavors, other than fried and potato. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> the end of this movie. The three of them decamp to like an idealized farmhouse and make contact with the outside world via a jet flying over and seeing their giant sign on the lawn that says hello. Because jets always follow the same path every day. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I mean, it was it was like a bucolic ending. It was such a relief of an ending. And that made me really sad where I was like, shit is really hardcore and way worse than our world. And then it gets better than our world. And I was just like, oh, God. And I, I mean, is it really better? Like, you don't know what that society is like, right? Where what? I mean, it could also be crumbling or on the verge of crumbling, wherever that plane is coming from. They did right. two. They did two sequels, so we could find out what the world is like. I thought there was just one sequel. Oh, I thought they did twenty-eight weeks and they did twenty-eight months. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen really. I haven't seen either of them. I Danny saw twenty-eight Boyle. weeks. Yeah, was it good? I don't think I don't think Danny Boyle was involved. Yeah. But 
Idris Elba was involved in 28 weeks. I remember it being entertaining. He good. He good. The movie wasn't good. So did you guys get a lot of like <laughs> Iraq War 9-11 vibe from this movie? Like, did no. you guys feel like this movie totally nope. came out of that time and like ran in concert with Children of Men? Sam just keeps saying no. He keeps saying no. Listen to him. You're no, only hearing totally, negative. No, this no, totally, no. This is totally a post-9-11 movie. Anywhere, anytime. No, that's not how it goes. Yes, I agree with you, Asher. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like that line. Um, you know, she asked that he asked her, like, "Well, they must, you know, what happened to the army? What happened to the government?" She goes, "There is no government." He goes, "There's always a government. There's this on a boat or on a plane or some on a bunker or somewhere." And um, I think that that is suggestive of some kind of like definitely post nine eleven fears, which I think are rooted in like the sort of um, I want to just say like sense of just striking helplessness that you could that the government this realization that this is something you could you've always Alan's give me a look can you do Dude, you can count <laughs> <laughs> it's like I think before 9-11 you know they never even in a post-apocalyptic scenario they never even you know it's sort of taken for granted no there's no government anymore but you don't really get that that moment where it's like you have to reckon with the fact that there's no government. And I think that that resonates and that's in the film because when 9-11 happened, you're like, okay, where was the government? How did this thing come to pass? I I always just assumed that the government was there to help and take control. We're experiencing something similar right now, actually, which is like, you know, we can't even handle this shit. Where is the government for this? They, they, the are closed. They're totally helpless. They can't do shit about COVID. They couldn't do shit about 9-11 either. Left us feeling very exposed, very vulnerable. Uh, or they were behind both. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for our, for our you know, listeners who are on the next level, I think. <laughs> um, we, we, tell, we tell the true story about world events on our Patreon episode. <laughs> this is for the, the plebs. What? I just want to uh, say that I, I think this is a pretty deep thought. Maybe the point of this movie is is that there's a certain irony, right? That there's this virus that's spreading throughout humanity, making people violent and unhuman. Uh-huh. But all the people who don't have the virus also need to become monsters, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? th- that you have I to... I mean, that's sort of what, what, yeah, what the whole movie is, right? It's like... Like the real monster is us. And all yeah. has been. But then, and, and then the end is like the only part of the movie where it's like... People seem to have regained some sense of like normality. Yeah, right? and the, the, the virus doesn't come from outside. It's not like an agent acting on us. It's or they make it very clear that its origins are us. Like we created this virus, and that it amplifies parts of ourselves. Right? It's it's not like people are acting that different. And the yeah, yeah are super present even without the virus. Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty Nietzschean, right, of sort of like the abyss stares also, or like fighting dragons, you become a dragon, or whatever. I don't know. Raph? I'd say it's Hobbesian. I don't know if it's Shit, I was just reading Hobbes for a lesson, and it was like... Oh, for real? Yeah, and it was like, if you don't want to eat each other, then you need to bow down to the totalitarian master. And I was like, really? Is this a guy that, that people have been reading for a long time? What the fuck? 
yeah, yeah, it's super weird to read Hobbes these days. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Well, and <laughs> you know, in in reading it, and obviously there are a lot of parallels between the military thinking and and sort of Hobbesianism of like, okay, when you're exposed to unbelievable intense violence, like yeah, one of the reactionary sort of points of view is just like yeah, well that's because shit isn't locked down, and therefore society must be locking things down and. For again, as I get older, I agree more and more with Sam where it's like, like, no, society isn't locking shit down. It's just sort of like staying away from each other because we're probably not great. And like everybody should be capable of taking care of themselves and like living in a perfect ideal cabin where they can make their own shoes and grow their own cheese. How did that idea from me? (laughs) You're you're not like a self-sufficiency. I feel like of all the people in my life, you're like one of the few sort of like, I don't know, state of nature kind of guys. Oh, that's funny. I thought I was the one out of us who believes in the collective good. Yeah, I suppose that's also true. How you're simultaneously pro collective good and pro state of nature. Maybe you're just, Ah, I see it's because I'm the apex of all humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Sam embodies all contradictions. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Nader. Yeah, the last thing that I was sort of thinking about with this movie was like, can you fucking imagine if somebody who had been in a coma from like twenty fourteen woke up today? And like that person probably exists, right? I mean six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Six months ago. But like imagine you you went into a coma like you know, fucking Barack Obama is president. The stock market's doing great. Whatever other like sort of like symbols of the neoliberal hell world like are running fine. So, you know, you think everything's great. One day you walk down the street, get hit in the head with a brick. You wake up, you think five minutes later and it's like, no, Donald Trump is is president. I got an alternate scenario for you. You're a caveman and you get frozen in a glacier. And what turns out later to be Encino, California. Uh, and you wake up and you got to deal with that shit. Only to find And you can take out of high school for some reason. <laughs> Buddy. Nice. Uh, I love you guys. We should do that movie next. All right. Should we throw two endorsements? Yeah. Uh, really? Okay. Um, shit. Is it Keep the River on Your Right? It's Ooh. a memoir. And uh, it just reminded me of this for some reason. It's a memoir and a documentary by this guy, Tobias Schneebaum. He goes and, like, lives and, like, assumes, like, a cannibal lifestyle in Papua New Guinea. It's fucking weird. And Peru. He does it twice for some reason. Delicious. All right, Sam, what do you got? I don't have anything. I haven't. I don't even know what time is. How am I supposed to endorse something? <laughs> it's I the flat circle that we're all fucking trapped. You don't know what time is. Yeah. What is today? What is tomorrow? What is yesterday? I endorse tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. That's it. <laughs> That's fucking dark. Thanks, Alan. What do you got? Uh, what will I endorse? I don't know. The good place. Nice. It's a nice. good show. Yeah. Have you, have you guys seen it? Yep. Yeah. I watched the first season. I thought it was funny. It's good. It continues to be. Hey, Raph, you might, I know you probably wouldn't like it, but it, it talks about philosophy legitimately more than any other show I've ever seen. On yeah, it's cool. Like one of the characters is a philosophy professor and he gives like 
lectures about like topics from philosophy. And then they proceed to illustrate them. Sounds like my fucking life. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like growing up in my house. There's like a <laughs> there's like a whole episode about the trolley problem. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. and then they actually do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> they actually drive their car into somebody. Yeah, no, the, answer is that you, the answer is that you pull the lever. The answer is everything is terrible, and someone always dies. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I thought that the answer, the answer was... is where, where are their trolleys still? Yeah. <laughs> the answer, <laughs> human making this decision. But yeah, that the good it's place. Really, it's a good show. Nice. I've got two recommendations or two endorsements this week. Uh, one is the photographs of Peter Hugo. And I strongly recommend just looking up Peter Hugo hyena gang. He is a documentary photographer. And I actually posted a picture of this on our Twitter earlier today. Maybe I'll post some more. These are some of the most fucking post-apocalyptic pictures I've ever seen. They make Mad Max look like a tea party for nine-year-old girls. It's gangs of dudes in Lagos who have hyenas as pets. And like they are fucking terrifying. They walk these hyenas around on like chains. They have to wear this crazy protective gear to like not get mauled, but it's it's all like handmade weird shit. It it just looks like, you know, Mad Max plus steroids. Um, so that, and then on the other end of the spectrum of stuff that I'm into right now is a movie called The Best Worst Thing That Ever Happened. Um, and it's a very beautiful documentary about this Stephen Sondheim musical from the early 80s, uh, Merrily We Roll Along, which was a famous flop. And it's a, about all of the cast members of the original production who thought that it was going to change their lives. And it did, but in a different way. Um, and it's a very beautiful meditation on time and friendship and art. Wait, isn't there a Christopher Guest movie like that? Yeah, actually, it's funny because Carolyn and I watched Spinal Tap last night, oh, uh, no. and it made me want to watch A Mighty Wind, but you have uh. to rent A Mighty Wind, and she was like, why don't we watch this? And and, and I was like, okay, cool. And it was beautiful and amazing. Mm. Cool. So, I have seen one of these hyena Men pictures before. Well, I posted on Twitter, so probably saw. Oh, is that why? I, don't know. I want a pet hyena now. <laughs> That's your takeaway from this, Sam? Yeah, you. It looks pretty. That hyenas are amazing. They're walking them around with muzzles and stuff. Like, this is dope. How do they feed these guys? Did you guys know that hyenas can actually like eat bones? Like, yeah, eat everything. They're the t- nature's crap trash disposal. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Asher Lack. At Highly Villagent. At Home Forever. (laughs) Sam is at Case of Piles. I'm at underscore Perquinos. And you can follow the show at Robot House Pod. It's spelled H-A-U-S on both Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.